The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, we're talking all things aviation with the legendary Peter Weber, more commonly known by Bachelor Nation as Pilot Pete. Peter grew up in the aviation world with his father as a pilot and his mother as a flight attendant. They actually met on a United flight. Peter had been flying for several years with Compass Airlines and then Delta before deciding to go on Hannah Brown's season of The Bachelorette. And then after his time as The Bachelor, he returned to the aviation world in full circle. He's now living his dream with Airline United Airlines since he is one of the very few reality TV stars who's actually returned back to his career post-show. We can't wait to dive into all things. Aviation before the show, the show after the show, how you came full circle back into your dream job. Pilot freaking Pete, thank you so much for being here, man. What's going on, man? Cheers. We got some hard seltzers here. It's good to do these things in person. There we go. I love it. Yeah. little New York visit. Good to see you, man. It's It's good to see you too. It has been way too long. How's everything going? Man, it's been it's been awesome. You know, just living out here in New York has been incredible. Been here for about a year and a half now. Uh, living with Dustin, Clay just moved in with us, so having a good time. Got been, the bachelor family right there. Literally, yeah, bachelor family. It's been uh, it's been awesome. Really enjoying it. You know, been been living the dream out, flying for United, uh, based out of Newark here, okay. and I uh, just got just got on uh, my new airplane uh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, and that's something I'm really stoked for. It's taking me all around the world, a lot of international flying. So. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great. Okay. We're going to get into all that, but I have to ask you when you say that, you say my new airplane, like for someone that's like, what the hell does that mean? Like I did, what does that mean? Like my new airplane. So I, when I got hired at United, you get every pilot flies one airplane. Okay. Uh, some people think you fly multiple, but you, everyone has a type rating for a specific airplane. It takes about a month and a half uh, of, you know, school and classroom work and then simulator training to get qualified. Okay. You get checked out, you get your type rating for, you know, whatever airplane it is. So I first got assigned the 737, the Boeing 737 cool. for United as a new hire and flew that for about, I would say nine, 10 months almost. And uh, was able to, everything in the airlines run by seniority. So my okay. seniority number was was good enough to uh, take an award for the 787, the Boeing 787. That's like the the new flagship carrier aircraft, the wide body. Okay. And the biggest reason I did that was because my dad, he was retiring from United and he flies it. I remember this. And so, so you could have the last flight with him, right? Exactly. Yeah. That is so, awesome. So when you say yeah. seniority, how long have you been, like, what's your seniority level and how'd you get it? Seniority is, uh, so whenever you, your class date is given to you with an airline, for United, it's just based on age. So okay. the oldest in the class, we had like 30 in our class. They're the most senior in that class, and I was like the second to most junior. That's just on age. And then as you move through your career, you keep that seniority number. So anyone that's hired you know, a day or later after you, you'll always be senior to them until you retire. And then anyone that's hired, obviously, a day or, or so you know, or more before you uh, will always be senior to you. And so everything is predicated off of seniority, your, your, okay. what airplane you fly, your schedule, your vacation, your pay, it's all seniority. But does that, so tell me a little bit about this then. If there's, how old are you? 30. Okay, so you're 30. Suppose there's a 40-year-old that's in this class yeah. and has less training than you do. When you guys both graduate from the United class, technically he'll have more seniority in the airline industry ranking. For, yeah, for every airline specifically has their own seniority system. Got it. So, and anyone that's getting hired, it's not like you're worried about, you know, training levels or proficiency. Everyone's on a, a very high level. It's very competitive to get on with a major airline. So okay. everyone has thousands of hours, whether it's from the military, previous airlines, uh, regional airlines, everyone's, you know, they deserve to be there. But 
once once you do have your number, anyone that comes, you know, a, a day or so after, even if they're older, yeah. you're going to still be senior to them. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Those are things I didn't know. I'm going to dive into more things I don't know about aviation. Before I do, I need to ask you yeah. about like current events. So when I think airplanes, I think aviation, there's two current things we got to talk about. Okay. The first thing is going to be more of a nicer story. The second one is the shit show and the travel <laughs> issues I've had. I need to hear it from a pilot. I need the trading secrets. Okay. But before we do that, I just read the story about this pilot who had, was flying in a private plane. The pilot oh, yeah. went unconscious. Yeah, And somehow this guy, incapacitated, somehow this guy who has never flown a plane in his life, has no idea what to do in the cockpit, actually landed the plane. Uh, crazy, Can you huh? give me a scope of like, how, what, what is like the likelihood that when that guy takes over, he's actually going to land the plane? And what does it actually take to do it? Because part of me is like, well, shit, if he could do it, maybe we could all do it. And the other yeah. part of me is like, that so dude it's just make, struck. It's making us look bad as yeah. pilots. Like, this <laughs> job's not too hard. <laughs> I was say, the other shit. part of me is like, that dude just struck lightning and there's no right. way this plane should be around. What are your thoughts? I mean, incredible story. I think the biggest thing is kudos to that ATC controller. So he was a, a CFI, a certified flight instructor, and had, I think he's, he has about 1,200 hours. So, you know, good, good experience as a CFI, had experience okay, in that. Okay, you got a, I, CFI, what's that mean? Uh, so certified flight instructor. That's an ATF, is that the air traffic control guy? ATC, ATC. air traffic control. Okay, yeah. we're not in the cockpit that's here. Right. I don't yeah, know. I, know. I got to bring the lingo back. <laughs> I know, my bad. Uh, I'll explain it. There is so many acronyms in aviation, so okay. uh, you just... You, you it's just natural. That That's how you it. talk. Yeah. It's your language. Yeah. So, so yeah. So this, this, you know, whoever this was, I guess this guy had no experience. Was able to. I mean, it's not too difficult, but was able to figure out how to control the radio okay. and, uh, and 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 control the mic. And uh, so when this his pilot when incapacitated, he they obviously were on a proper frequency. They were probably getting flight following, or I don't think they're on a. There's VFR. This is kind of getting in the weeds here, but I think they're on like a simple flight, uh, just you know, flying on, on a nice day with no bad weather, and. Uh, was able to talk to the controller. The controller had a lot of experience in that specific airplane okay. that they were in. And that's when I say it's hats off to that guy. Without him, you know, that could have ended up really, really, you know, poorly. But he was able to just keep the guy calm. I'm sure he probably had some type of mock-up on a screen so he could literally tell, you know, this guy wh where the control was, what to do, where to spin this, you know. They got him on uh, radar quickly. I think they told him like to fly to the beach and like fly north or south or just or make a right turn or something. And then when they did that, they were able to pick him up on radar so he could control him and he knew exactly where his heading was, what his altitude was. And so he could walk him through every step to get wow. that airplane on the ground safely. But still, I, that's to be able to land an airplane with no experience, not understanding anything about aeronautic or aerodynamics or sure. anything like that, getting into ground effect as you're getting close to the ground. That's, it's impressive that this guy was able to do that and uh, and safely land that airplane with no experience. I'm a numbers guy. I'm sure you had to do those, uh, those like trainings and simulators before you got into a plane. I'm sure you crashed a couple. Give me odds. Like when you hear that story, what do you think the odds are that he would have successfully landed it knowing what you know? I mean... That's like, uh, I don't even know, I'd say 50-50, you know, just depending on the uh, person. Like if they, to be a good pilot, you know, I always say being a pilot's not necessarily, it's not like very difficult. Like if you put the work in, in yeah. anybody I think can can learn the proper procedures and learn the systems of an aircraft and understand regulations. But in my opinion, what differentiates a, a really good pilot, it's, you're kind of like born with it. Like if you're a good stick, gotcha. you just, your body just gets it's a connected set. to the airplane in a way that, you really can't ever teach. I don't know if that's making sense, but just a good pilot, a good stick, 
the, the, them and the airplane, they're one. They're not disconnected. Yeah. So this guy obviously had, you know, some skills that he probably should, you know, look into possibly getting his license or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know, 25% chance that someone with zero experience, you know, can stay calm yeah. first off, not freak out, not pass out. And uh, yeah, and he, he did a good job. Less than 25% chance. That's crazy. Also, you talking about the fact that you kind of just have to have that knack and you have to have that like connection with the plane and really enjoying it, I think speaks directly to, I remember, I've told the story before, but when you got off the season, you and I talked a little bit about like business strategy next. And I'm like, yeah. well, what's next? Like you have a huge platform, your season, your ratings were out of control. I mean, we haven't seen ratings like your sh- since your season in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, so Pete, it's all you, man. What do you want to do? And you're like, well, first and foremost, I want to go back to flying. That's yeah. my passion. So that's something that's been with you forever. And it sounds like it won't go away. And I, we'll talk about that. But yeah. before we do, I need to know what the hell is going on. I just had my book tour, eight cities, eight days, seven different states. I had more airport issues than I care to even talk about on the podcast. Oh boy, I'm it sorry. It seems <laughs> like everything is delayed. Now I go into like little conspiracy theories in my head. I'm like, well, you know what? Oil is now $112 a barrel. Maybe it's a, a pricing and profitability thing that they have to have full capacity. So they're delaying flights. You live in the commercial space. What's yeah. your take on, I would say, I would say my thought process is somewhat consistent with like the macros. What is, what's your take as a pilot? I mean, you're definitely seeing travel rebound like crazy right now. That's and an interesting that's, take. Yeah. it's, I mean, it's super exciting, obviously being in the industry, you know, it was, everyone obviously struggled like crazy going through the pandemic, but the travel industry was, you know, we almost without the, uh, the CARES Act, you know, we would have, a lot of airlines would have gone under and ceased to exist. But luckily, you know, that's behind us and, you know, forecasts for this summer are insane for travel demand. This is probably, I think I've heard forecasts like this is gonna be the busiest summer season ever in the history of, of, you know, the airlines. And that's, that's, during normal times, that's normal. Every summer, usually it's, you, you always see an uptick from uh, the previous summer, but just with the population growing. But yeah, unfortunately, there is a lot of, well, hey, there's a pilot shortage and that's- Okay, something I didn't know. Yeah, there's a pilot shortage and that's, there. we have so many pilots that are retiring. Uh, the FA mandated retirement age is 65. So even if you wanted to stay longer, you know, my dad just retired April 21st was his 65th birthday. And so he had to have his last flight completed before then. So you have this huge number of, I think like at United, it's uh, every 18 hours or so you have a pilot retiring. And wow. it's, it takes a long time to train a pilot, retrain a new pilot. It's a whole, just, it's like a, a, a waterfall, a compounding of effects where when one pilot leaves, now that seat's vacant. And now someone has to go fill that seat. But the person that's leaving their current seat to fill that seat, now that one has to get filled and so on and so on and so on. And so when you have a huge training demand with pilots, it causes a lot of delays and shortages. And it's a good time to get, you know, to get into this career field if it's something you're interested in. But that's one of the reasons you're seeing a lot of cancellations and, and just staffing issues. And uh, and yeah, just demand, though, is insane. You know, with that, you know, stuff happens, unfortunately. Yeah. And airplanes have mechanicals, every airline. It doesn't matter yeah. what airline you're on. You know, people always, I always kind of think it's funny when people complain about, I can't stand, you know, this airline for for doing this. And they canceled the flight because there was a mechanical or there was weather. I'm like, that happens to literally every single airline. You can right. go to that airline and you'll have someone saying the same <laughs> story. So, uh, but I get it. People are loyal to their to their brand and, and their airline. And yeah, just insane demand coming that we haven't seen. And so from the pilot, when we hear mechanical, 
when we hear it's delayed and we don't really know why, it's it's usually always what we're told. Like, is it always, if it's mechanical, it's mechanical. If it's delayed, like, will they, will you guys take a flight off even if it's at half capacity and stuff? Like, does that ever oh, yeah. work? Yeah, yeah. Okay. no, that's, it, there's never any, no, nothing like that's happening. There's a thing called essential air service. So the government actually pays certain airlines to run routes, usually in like, you know, areas that aren't, the population is not very high, but because we need to have connections from a, a small oh, okay. town just outside like a of Denver. Buffalo, New York? Buffalo, yeah. I mean, yeah. Buffalo is, It's pretty you know, big, but like Syracuse maybe? Yeah. So there, okay. there's essential air service routes in these like remote parts of the country. They need to have service. So even though the airplane may be, you know, a lot of times they're flying empty just to get there, but the airline doesn't care because they're getting paid the same amount from the government to That's keep those routes going. But even that, you're seeing like SkyWest, I recently read, is they're not keeping up their contract with the government to fly essential air service routes because they don't have the pilots to, to man the aircraft because they're a regional airline. And think about it like baseball, like the minors and the majors. Okay, Every pilot is trying to get to the majors, a major airline. It's better pay, it's better sure. airplanes, better routes, better quality of life. But it's it's a stepping stone. You got to kind of pay your dues and get experience to the regionals. And so these regionals are really struggling right now because they're getting poached left and right. People are leaving to the majors because they're having so many retirements. And so it's kind of sucking them dry and they don't have enough pilots right now to, to fill in. So you're seeing a lot of cancellations on the regional front from just a manpower. Okay. Shortage. So that makes so much more sense. What about, is that same employment issue the same with flight attendants right now? I don't believe it's, it's the exact same now. Okay. Um, I don't think so. Just because there's so much training that goes Got into, it. you know, with the pilot, you have to have so many hours, you know, you're not getting hired at a major airline without, you know, I had about 4,000 hours total flight time, about 2,500 turbine. There's a lot that goes into to having to do that. So I don't think it's the same right now with flight attendants. Gotcha. And I just, another current events thing is I saw that, I had no idea about this either. Flight attendants aren't paid by the union, I guess, until the flight actually takes off. So the uh, the doors are closed and the parking brake is released is when That's our, when they start getting... Is that the same for pilots, pilots too? The same, same way. Interesting. Yeah. And now, isn't there a huge push to change that? So... I, you know, I agree. Of course, you know, yeah. you're, you're doing as, as a pilot, you're in the cockpit and you're, you're program, you're, you're doing your name probably, tags on. Yeah. Your, your suits on. <laughs> you walk out the jet bridge, I'm, yeah. I'm there at work, but yeah, you're doing honestly, probably the most critical stuff that you're programming the flight computer, you're getting all your, your numbers and your weight and balance. And technically, yeah, you're not paid during that time, but the avi aviation industry, like airlines, it's very different. Like if I were to tell you like the pay rate of what a pilot gets you think, oh my God, that's that's huge. That's crazy. But it's not comparative to like a 40-hour work week, like the traditional job, nine to five. We work maybe anywhere from like 73 to, you can't fly more than 100 hours in a month, but from 73 hours to like 85 hours is an average paycheck for a pilot in regards to how many hours you're going to get paid for. So you guys are paid hourly. Yeah. And what is like a starting rate for a pilot at like a decent airline? So it's, you know, rates fluctuate like crazy. Um, that's a big, you know, a conversation with uh, the unions thinking that, well, it's not a, you know, pilot shortage. It's, it's, uh, it's a situation with pay. If you pay more, there, you know, there'll, there'll be no issue there. No shortage. The, the applicants will come. At a regional, it's, it's tough. At a regional, you don't necessarily, it, uh, you know, make an insane living. Give me a, re what, what's a regional? Like Spirit? 
No. So regional is like, uh, I flew for Compass, SkyWest. They're just, the regional airlines are the companies that the major airlines work with and they outfit and fly a lot of the smaller routes. For gotcha. Them. So, so if I go to Buffalo, right, I'll yeah. see on my thing, it'll say Delta. Exactly. And, and then under like it, Connection. it says like, yeah, Delta Connection, WestJet, or like, I don't know, some other plane or something. So yeah. they're, you're saying it's still through Delta, but Delta will then outsource or, or work and contract with some regional plane. Exactly. That's not owned by Delta. Exactly. And if that pilot's flying that flight, they're going to get paid less. Yeah. So it's that's kind of a you know a thing too. It's uh, you have pilots doing the exact same job, but you know they fly the exact same or not the exact same airplanes, but doing the exact same job, getting people safely from point A to point B. But you have one kind of field, the miners that are paying a lot less. That's why everyone, you know, for the most part, there are people that enjoy just because the quality of life, it makes sense for them to stay at a regional airline and never go to a major. Maybe they've been there for, you know, 10, 15 years. They've accrued a lot of seniority. So they're going to give that up now, go to the bottom of the list at another airline, wherever they were to go to. So it doesn't make sense for them to leave. And once you get, you know, a couple, you know, 10 years plus of seniority, you're making a decent living at a regional. It's just the beginning part. That's the toughest part. That's the stories you've heard of, you know, pilots having to, you know, live in crash pads or right. uh, or not crash pads, like, you know, live in the crew room because it's just, it's tough to afford a hotel room if you're commuting to work or whatnot. It's gotten better. It's gotten a lot better. You know, I was fortunate. I never had to go through the airlines kind of in that state. Yeah. Um, and so that's really exciting to, uh, to be able to say, but I would say like for a regional pilot starting pay is probably like $35 an hour. And okay. that's, and that's really good. Right. But it's, it's not, it's not like 40 hours a week again. It's 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 time 73 sure. or you know to 85. I think of. the natural reaction when you hear that would be $35 an hour. And again, I know you, you totally put the business model together, but for a regional, even with consideration that that seems low. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So you agree with that. Like in general, 100%. like that's low for a pilot. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then as you move up and you move into like the big or international flights at like uh at like a Delta or United. Yeah, are we talking double, triple that, quadruple? Like, are we talking hundreds of dollars an hour? Like, what ranges? Like, yeah, I mean, to show the kind of the disparity, I would say, like the whole yeah. range spectrum. You know, lowest is, and all this stuff is. You know, I have no problem talking about this because all this is public knowledge. Hey, we're in New York all, City, and they just—they I don't know if you heard this—they're going to with all job postings, they're going to require salary ranges being put on the postings. Oh, so for okay. all positions, all postings, like if it's an office manager, like minimum like 40, maximum 75, like salary transparency is like Very starting cool. to blow up. I totally agree with that. You know, I I mean, I love, you know, what you do with your podcast and kind of getting rid, like, rid of that taboo talking about money, yeah. but all this stuff's on all, you know, forums. So you can look up pay rates for, for airlines, but sure. it goes anywhere from like, I would say 35 to top, top, pay rate right now for a maxed out senior captain for a major airline is around, I think, 355. Okay. Gotcha. So 355. I mean, that's, look at that. It's like 10x, right? Yeah. I mean, from starting to, to, to being in the most senior position. A question I had for you, because when I thought regional, I was thinking spirit. And I think about this, like when we talk about, we talk a lot about the influencing space on this, yeah. on this uh, podcast. And one of the correlations we've seen is that if there are the bigger brands that are more desired to work for, Peep, those brands will actually pay less than a startup that has more liability and no and more risk. So the startups that have more liability that people haven't heard of, there's not as much demand to work there or to work with them. Therefore, they have to pay more. And to attract but if them, like yeah. a big Amazon or a Walmart, or you just did the Top Gun deal, yeah. like they come to you, they know that they're going to get someone to show up to that red carpet at Top Gun. Right. So they have more leverage in negotiation. Sure. Does that theory apply to the airline industry? And where I'm going with that is, I'm going to say it. You don't have to say it. 
my inclination, United and Delta are the best airlines out there. And then there Amen. are other Let's airlines go, <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, I know Southwest has a great reputation. Good stock, by the way. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't love Southwest. Sorry. Uh, I know Spirit Airlines has a little bit of a, a pretty, been pretty bad reputation. Climbing like crazy right now with all the uh, JetBlue rumors. Oh, Their yeah. stock's oh, yeah. been booming. Okay. So, yeah, their stock's booming. Yeah. But I know like the reputation isn't right. the best. JetBlue, you're right. Their credibility has gone down lately. But do those airlines who have maybe more of a negative perception in the marketplace pay more because they know that pilots would rather be at like the top dog, the New York Yankees of of airlines like Delta mm-hmm. and United? Is that how it works no, or not? No, actually, it's the exact opposite. So like the big three, United, Delta, American, we kind of call them like the big three airlines. All the other ones that you're mentioning are still major airlines. They're not considered regionals, but they would maybe get classified in like a low-cost carrier type Got business it. model. They don't really necessarily offer the nice premium first-class service, the lie flat seats, the business class service, or the, you know, the premium plus. Sure. It's more of kind of just, you know, economy seats throughout sure. the entire airplane. And, you know, it's a great business model. They make a ton Killer. of money. But in regards to the, you know, answering your question, no, you don't. The highest paid airlines are like the big three, United, yeah. Delta, American. They pay, they pay the most. And yeah, it's, you know, I guess if you want to, you know, reputation-wise, sure, everyone probably has their own opinion. Obviously, I'm biased. I, I love sure, United. I sure. think it's the best airline ever. Super happy to fly there. But they also just, they off, people want to fly there more than just for the money, but for the quality of life, the type of airlines. You know, at Southwest, it's a great airline. You're going to fly a 737 for your entire career. United, you can fly a 7.3, a 7.8, 7.7, Airbus, you know, 7.5, 7.6. You have so much variety, which then means so many more routes. You get the international experience. A 7.37 can't go, you know, LA to Sydney. You're flying. That's a wide body flight. Uh, you're not really going to Europe. So there's a lot of reasons other than just pay that uh, these bigger airlines are maybe the more attractive airline to fly for, for most people. Yeah, so that's a couple of the reasons. It's funny because I, Caitlin, sometimes when I talk about finance or stocks, and I try and break it down for her. I probably use jargon I shouldn't. The way you were just describing uh, the 737s, the triple bus, I was like, I'm looking at you the way Caitlin looks at me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but I'm in for that. Uh, one thing I got to ask you, though, is it, what's interesting is I remember in business school, I read this Harvard Business case study on Ryan O'Air. And I think it goes to your point that Ryan you just Air, said. Yeah. Ryan Air. Yeah. So you just said, like, People have different perceptions of like what they want out of airlines, therefore a different service. So I might have just said, I don't like Southwest. I guarantee you there are people listening to this right now. They're like, dude, are you out of your mind? Southwest is the best airline out there. So that is out there. What's interesting is Ryanair has had the number one customer satisfaction uh, rate score of any company out there. This was so, you know, I'm old. When I was in business school, it was like 2014. And the, the reason behind it though, and this was the European one, right? Sure, yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, it's extremely cheap. You can fly to different countries in Europe for a very, very affordable price. When I say that, I'm saying like 20, 30, 40 bucks. Okay. The reason that the customer service satisfaction score is so high is because the expectation of what the customer was getting when they flew was always at least met or exceeded because they knew through complete transparency that the expectation was pretty damn low. You are on this flight to get the cheapest ticket. And when you buy that flight, you know it. You know, yeah. If you go, I, I, and they said like small things, like if you go to the bathroom on the flight, you have to pay for it. You want you water really? on the flight, that's you have insane. to pay for it. So that, a crazy insane. model, yeah. but a model but you, you know that what you're you know what you're getting. And yeah. so that's an interesting concept. It's funny you bring that up. One thing that like I've noticed just hearing, again, I, I mainly fly United, obviously, as a pilot all the time, but as a passenger, it's not always. I can jump seat on other airlines. We have reciprocal agreements to 
fly on them if there's open seats. But I guess that transparency thing is, you know, you hear a lot of like the low cost carriers, they sound great, super cheap. But a lot of people I've heard frustrations with where you get to the airport and then it's, well, this bag fee because you didn't buy it online the night before. It's, you know, you're getting charged this. And then after everything's said and done, all the extra, you know, fees, it's really not that much cheaper of a ticket. Right. And I've heard, you know, people kind of get annoyed by that. So that's that makes sense with Ryanair having that high score if they were so transparent because not that doesn't maybe happen all the time. Exactly. Interesting stuff. Now, I know there's some people here listening that just want to hear about Pilot Pete and the Bachelor stuff. <laughs> we'll get to a little bit of that, but we're talking aviation now. For anyone that does travel, we need a little, we have a pilot here who has thousands and thousands of hours. There's a lot of people out there that have travel anxiety. Yeah. Can you give us a like, like turbulence? They freak out. I've heard the myth that like no plane's ever gone down from turbulence. Right. In general, do you have any tips or tricks for anyone that gets very anxious when it comes to traveling or any information as, you know, from the pilot himself that might be able to reduce some of their anxieties as they do fly? Yeah. You know, I would say the biggest thing I think is turbulence. People freak out. Yeah. And I totally also like, I think understand, like be, it's funny. Actually, I used to be pretty ner- a nervous flyer when I was a little kid. You did? I did. Wow. And, and I always, the crazy thing is I always knew I wanted to be a pilot. Huh. And I was like, I have to find a way to get over this. Like, this is this is not good. But like, I still was obsessed with airplanes. But if we hit bumps, I was freaking out. And that eventually obviously faded. But the biggest thing is, A, flying is the safest form of transportation. That's And that's easy, like easily proved. Statistically really? speaking, there's you have a, a much higher chance of, you know, something happening to you on the way to the airport than anything ever happening on any flight. So, you know, trains, planes, whatever it is, buses, any boats, Flying is the safest form. Airplanes nowadays are built with so much damn redundancy. You can have one system go out and it's no issue. You can have a second system go out and you still have a backup to that. So obviously as just a normal flyer, you don't understand these airplane systems. You don't understand really what's going on with the plane. You're not in control. So a lot of people probably have difficulty not being in control, but the redundancy airplanes are just so safe nowadays. They're so modern. You know, the wings on an airplane, when people see see the wing shaking. I hear a lot of people freak out from that and, you know, from the bumps. It's designed to do that. You don't want a rigid wing. If you had a rigid wing, you know, it'd be susceptible to snapping. You want it to give. It's like a shock absorber. It's it's taking and absorbing those bumps that you're going through. And people ask about turbulence and they, you know, what is it? Just, I think of it as it's, you're, you're driving down a bumpy road, you know, and you don't freak out when you're on a, in a car, you sure. know, in a Jeep and you're, and you're moving all around, but because you're in the air and it's a little bit more foreign, you freak out, but it's the same thing. as just going through a, uh, down a bumpy road. Those wings are designed in testing to come within a couple feet, wingtip to wingtip of each other over the top of the fuselage before they snap. Stop. Yeah. So those wings. Wow. They, that's yeah. crazy. The airplane's designed to withstand so much more than it could ever encounter in any type of, uh, you know, flight that you're going to go on. And I've heard a pilot say before, like when you think of turbulence, you're breaking it down in simplicity. Think about it like when you're in a boat and another boat drives by or a jet ski and a little wave comes and obviously the boat moves with the wave. Wave turbulence. Yeah. Your your boat's not ever sinking right. from another boat coming on or something like that. Do you find that comparable? Is that like a fair comparison? Very fair. Yeah. Um, wake turbulence. So as the wing, as the airplane flies through the air, yep. there's wingtip vortices that come off the edge of the wing. That's just produced by lift. And those, those can create a lot of turbulence. It can be an aggressive kind of violent feeling if you fly right into some wake turbulence. Mm-hmm. That's why though we have separation, you know, minimums where when you're flying, you're within, you know, you're never getting within a certain amount of miles next to that airplane if you're on the same altitude level. We're always separated by, you know, at least a thousand feet uh, vertically. 
And it's a big thing that we pay attention to low to the ground. You never want to fly into any type of wake turbulence low to the ground because that has the ability to, you know, kind of turn a plane over. So you, you def, you know, pilots are trained, you know, to, to avoid that ATCs trained to keep uh, airplanes separated at a safe distance. But yeah, it's a great example of wake turbulence. If anyone has any form of flying anxiety, this podcast at the very least should definitely put those anxieties to rest. I mean, there's <laughs> so much information there I didn't even know. One of the anxieties that won't go to rest is when I see the Denzel movie Flight, right? I mean, that's based on a true story, right? Denzel's ha- like hammered, but he's like a, he's an alcoholic, so he's a good pilot when he's hammered. You're a single guy. You like to go have fun. How like in like you when you're partying and stuff, do you have to plan out like it has to be like 72 hours before a flight? Like a week, like how long before a flight do you, are you thinking about like I can let loose tonight or I can't? Like how does that work? So I actually I don't I don't I don't think that was based on a true story. The Denzel. Oh, it wasn't. Yeah. Okay. I don't good. Think, Fact check um, right there. Yeah. I had no idea. I just remember. You're yeah. right. It's a drama thriller. Oh, is it on a true story? Let's see. I don't know if it was based off of a person, it, but like the actual it, it flying say, scenes. This that. is Google. It says it's based on a true story of airline pilot William Whip Whittaker. In the recap, oh, guys, really? here's what we're going to do. Really? Oh, this is what I always do when I have conversations like this. I don't know for sure. Okay. In the recap, I'm going to do like a full deep dive in the research. We'll get back to you. Stay tuned. And I'll let you know, like if it's based on a true story, but it's got the Hollywood bullshit, we'll give you the rundown there. We'll come back to that. But for you, like when you're, like if you're going out and stuff, how sure. forward do you have to think about like, yeah, I fly Sunday, I shouldn't go out Saturday type thing? Yeah. I mean, you, obviously, you know, being the ultimate professional in this kind of profession is is a must. You know, there's, there's yeah. no wiggle room. You know, for that movie, obviously, you know, it, it was unfortunate. It gave pilots a bad rap. And, but that stuff does not fly. No pun intended with, with, <laughs> with this profession. You know, we have very strict policies of, you know, for instance, alcohol, drinking, minimum bottle to throttle for uh, most airlines is 12 hours. Your last drink before reporting to any type of duty has to be completely clean of, of any drinking. Obviously, no drugs. Other than that, it's just we're, like I said, this profession demands perfection. Of course. You can't, no room for you can't mess up. Yeah. And you mess up, people die. We take it very, very seriously to be that ultimate professional and, and never mix the two. Yes, when you're on a layover, you, you enjoy yourself and you can go have a good time, explore, have a good time with the crew. But when it comes time to, to work, you know, it's business and, you know, there's no messing around with that. Gotcha. Is there ever, and this is my last question on the industry, I'm just so fascinated and intrigued. What is like, how many flights can you fly in a row before they're like, you have to take a break? Like union, like how, like from a, like endurance standpoint? Yeah, we, so we can't fly more than a hundred hours of flight time in a month in a 30 day rolling kind of calendar uh, month. You can't be, you need a, a 30 hour break from flying in every seven days. So as you look back, you need at least 30 hours off. That could be on a layover. You know, we have, I was just in Tel Aviv. It was a 44 hour layover. So technically that reset my clock. That's so cool, um, by the way. It was, could just Tel, pop was out awesome. Tel Aviv. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'd never been there. It was the, the seven, eight it's I'm, I'm stoked on it. Cause it's, I'm going, I just was Amsterdam two or three days ago, going to Athens tomorrow. Just, it takes you to really, really cool parts of the, of the world. So it's so cool. It's a, it's, it's a good time. But in regards to breaks too, you know, we, Typically, we minimum days off is 12 or 13 days off in a month. Usually, it's a little bit more. Uh, I would say typically you fly about half the month. And then when you get really senior, you're flying those really nice, efficient trips that have a lot of hours. So you're flying like a 30-hour, 30, 32-hour, 30, four-day. So it. you're doing three trips. 
Hmm. You know, you're doing two of those and then maybe a shorter trip and you're gone maybe eight total days of the month. So you get a lot of time off wow. once you get some seniority. Interesting. Okay. I mean, sounds like a hell of a career track. So I have two questions left for you. And the last one's going to be, how can someone get into the career if they want to? But before I get there, uh, I have a friend whose family has ownership in a plane. Yeah. And so I've got to experience this whole like private like private plane world and it's fucking crazy it's absolutely nuts i know you have flown private before can you this is a rumor we always talk about do you make more flying private or commercial and why yeah everyone thinks it's private yeah that's what i would think for sure everyone would think that and they're kind of shocked when i tell them it's not the case so the way it goes private actually they kind of offer you, for the most part, a better starting entry pay. That's from my experience. So what like I noticed. more paid per hour then? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, compared to like that $30, $35 range at a regional for your first year, your probationary year as a starting corporate uh, pilot, you could be making, you know, like 60, 60, 70 K a year uh, starting out. And then it does get higher as you upgrade to captain the amount of years of service you've had there. But Ultimately, where you're going to make the most money is once you max out at a 12-year plus captain on a wide-body airplane for a major airline. Gotcha. That'll always, you know, granted, there's probably a couple examples here and there of a Fortune 500 company, you know, flight department, and these guys are flying G650s for them and, and making stupid money. I'm, I'm sure there is a couple of those examples, but for the most part, uh, you're going to see more money in the uh, airline side. Are those pilots on, do they work for the, are they unionized or no? Uh, corporate guys? No, the private people. Like if you fly private, are you union? No. Okay. No. So if you work for like a wheels up or like one of these private airlines, they're paying you and it's not, you're not on union. To be completely honest, I'm not exactly sure like yeah. with wheels up. I flew for a private, like an owner. So yeah, I flew for sure. a guy who owned the airplane and then he, so we operated that called not to get to again in the weeds, but sure. part 91, which was just like him and his family. And then to offset some of the costs of owning that jet, hangar fees and all that. It's very expensive, obviously, to maintain. Yeah. He would charter it out via a 135 company. And so he would make money chartering out his jet. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So he's so he has the jet and then he'll charter it out to people, charge him a fee. Exactly. And then he'll make some money from that. He makes that. some money. And he's paying you directly then. So there's no union. You're working under his, his payment plan. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Got it with you on that. Last question I have about private plans. I just want to give some, some people that don't have a damn clue. Give me a estimate cost. If I want to take a plane, rel- I don't know size and stuff, but like just say like, like, like there's four of us. Let's just mm-hmm. say there's four of us. I'm in New York City and I want to go to Miami. New York City to Miami, one way, give me an approximation of what that would cost on a private plane. One way, let's see, yeah, because I don't, you know, obviously know the exact price for of that. Of course. But for, yeah. So they factor in though, very rarely you're going to get the one-way fee because that airplane needs to return back to its home base. So unless they can get you know, another, unless you can have uh, a broker get a flight going back to New York with another client, they're most likely going to charge you the round trip. Like we would do LA Vegas all the time. That was like my biggest route when I first started out flying corporate. And uh, that was about, I want to say it was like nine to 10 K. And that's um, a, that's a 20 minute flight. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like 30, 35, 40. 35 minute yeah. flight. And that's 10 K. Yeah. So Good. Miami to New York, I feel like that would be like 40 ish K. Yeah. I would say around there. I, we, I know we did our big uh, breadwinner was the LA New York route okay. round trip. That was about 80 K. It would cost for a round trip flight. And that was for a Hawker 700. That wasn't even like the, like the cat's meow, like the Gulfstream. That would, that's so much more. So Hawker 700, give people an idea. How many people fit into a Hawker 700? Uh, I want to say it was like seven. We had seven seats in the Hawker 700. We could fit 11. I flew a Citation Sovereign. That was 11 seats. And uh, yeah, they just obviously go up and up. A global Gulfstream are kind of like the top hmm. range size for private jets. 
Uh, I remember hearing their, their global, they would be doing routes from uh, LA, Van Nuys out to like uh, Australia. And uh-huh. those things are charging like 250, 300K. Jesus. To, to get that jet. That is crazy stuff. I, for some reason, all I'm thinking about right now with this private jet, I don't know why I'm thinking of Twinder, Tinder swindler. Fuck that guy. Oh, okay, shit. Right? Yeah, he was just taking private jet yeah. everywhere. And we had one of the girls on the podcast. No way. Yeah. Oh, and the shit. episode was nuts when she talked about the details and stuff. Damn. Anyway, screw that guy. Stay tuned for the recap, guys, because I do have a couple crazy stories about the private airline uh, industry that Pilot Pete told me. I'll tell him in the recap. But sounds like when you have that clientele, there's a story or two that comes with it. But here's the moment people are definitely waiting for. I don't know. I feel like I've gotten enough. But Let's quickly talk about your time on The Bachelor, right? Yeah. Because not many people, like I said in your intro, can have a professional job like this. Go on and, and you, you had a wild ride. Yeah. I mean, banging in the windmill four times or however many times you got to, then you're The Bachelor and you're engaged, you're not engaged, uh, yeah. you got a new girl, you got a, I mean, you went through a fucking whirlwind. I did. And you it came wasn't out. boring, that's for sure. It wasn't, it was Man. freaking entertaining and you came out and uh, you went right back to work. Yeah. So tell me that just a little bit. That's the one thing bit. that kept me sane. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to look because I had dealt with that, right? So I don't know if you knew or not. I talk about my book a lot, but I went corporate banker, dealing with the CFOs. I go right. into this world. I didn't have as many fun stories as you, unfortunately. And then I go back and uh, there was like a story Caitlin told about a time we hooked up and we were dry humping. I remember hearing that, yeah. And so that story ended up getting me fired. 10 years of working for the bank. That's I got fired, right? Like Damn. that's but like bullshit. Like what? Fully clothed, consensual. She tells a funny story and it's like it blows up so That's with insane. all that stuff how did, did did that have a negative impact how did you manage it how did that all go down man i look back now and i'm kind of like i don't know how the hell i got the time off <laughs> to go and do this because i had to get a lot of time off how it, much time was it start to finish i mean going on the on the bachelorette you don't never know for sure but it was two, they said two months you need two months that you can give to sure, us sure and on you know bachelor the same thing and i knew i would be obviously the full two months there you rolled right into it right yeah you roll we had the summer off we went we finished like in may okay. and then started filming in september so the thing luckily that's i mean that's a lot it's a long story i'll kind of give it keep it brief here but you know, I had to get a lot of trips covered. I had about three months. What do you mean trips covered? Like you had to get hours in for five? So like I, w- I would get awarded, you know, three or four trips that were put on my schedule, in, like from March through May, right? When I started filming The Bachelorette. And so th- those, that was my work schedule. I had three trips. It was a three or four day trip. And there was usually three of them in a month. Wait, so- you didn't, sorry to interrupt, but you didn't take off? Like you still they, they run a schedule? No, no, I, I <laughs> okay. did. That's, that's the thing. And I had to find a way to get those trips covered. There were certain, you know, methods I had that were okay. like a vacation drop or a personal drop. And I could get those trips removed from my schedule and everything was okay. Got it. Okay. But I didn't have enough of those tools to cover every single trip. Gotcha. Now so I'm with you. Okay. I had to get creative. And I remember this. I don't know. I don't think I've ever told anyone this. I... Remember, I only had like the first two weeks off okay. for the show uh, when I first <laughs> Did went. Did you think you get, were going to go home? Get, I, I, I was like, you know what? I'm a very big like manifester. I'm yeah. like, I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Okay. And I was, that, I was that confident. And 
Maybe people probably think I'm freaking crazy. And listen, if it would have come down to it, the show was awesome, but I always would have taken my job. Sure. I was never going to quit. I, would st- I think, and there's some people I think are full of shit. That is 100% a true statement. 100%. There is no BS in that. If I, if I would have yeah. gotten in those two weeks and I didn't gone. have my trip, I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. I can't leave yeah. my job. I'm out. But so I did it. And I'm like, you know, it's this crazy opportunity. Obviously, the excitement's there. It's like, wow, like I, this is, I don't want to say no to this. Sure. And so I went with it. And I'm like, but I only have two weeks. I got to find a way to keep it going. Luckily, they let me have access. You know, you don't have access access to phones or anything. They gave me access to an iPad, that my work iPad I could bring. So I could constantly be trying to trade these trips out to ensure I could stay there. The show didn't know this, <laughs> that I only had really two weeks. I never said anything. And, oh, so um, you were like, you were taking the, because we, as everyone knows, it's been around for 25 years. You can't have your phone or TV or whatever internet yeah. on the show. So you would just say you're doing the scheduling. Meanwhile, you really had to like I find someone to find take someone to take the trip. <laughs> And no, and the stress level that I had. Oh, that would freak me out. Well, no, you're already stressed in that mansion. I, oh, I mean, that was I like the like most, that was a crazy time. So then you had to add that, add that to that. It was insane. So when you traded, is there like a, I'm trying to imagine there's like a system, like you go in and like you open up like your flight availability and someone could like bid on it or so, or like yeah. take it or something like that. Basically. We have like a software that essentially okay. shows all of our schedules. You can kind of see all the open trips. You can see people that are trying to trade trips. And so I was constantly just every day trying to find someone that could take this trip if there was good enough coverage, meaning that we had enough reserves available, I could uh-huh. just all I could just drop the trip, and that was the easiest way to get rid of it. Uh, but long story short, I had a lot of a lot of finagling to do to get those trips covered and be able to stay. It all worked out. Then I get asked to go do the bachelor, and I've used all my resources up. I have no more personal days to drop a trip. I have nothing. And I'm like, the only way I can do this is if I get an, a leave of absence. Like, I have to get this granted to me from Delta. I was a Delta at the time. Okay. I have to get this granted to me. Like, I can't. There's nothing else I can do. And so I call my regional chief, who I was close with. He had helped me out with the bachelorette. And he's like, listen, man, I, you know, we can try. We can put in the leave of absence. But, you know, there's no guarantee. And 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 most likely they're going to say no because they can't make an exception just for a, one pilot, which I totally understood. Yeah, obviously. of course, of course. But I was like, let's try it. Let's, you know, let's submit it. So I submitted it for the two months. I told them, obviously, at this point, they knew I was on the other show. I was like, listen, you know, I'm trying to go on this one. I've been asked to. What are you guys thinking? Like, I would need to leave. He got all the way up to the top to Ed Bashan, the CEO of Delta. And there was like two, two teams, you know, two sides that were fighting, saying, listen, this is a good press opportunity for Delta. We want to like approve this. Like we think this could help us. And then the other side that was like completely against it. Okay. And they ended up saying no. Ed, oh, shit. Ed says, yeah, Mr. Bashan says no. So it was a no. So I'm like, well, shit, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. I guess this is not happening. And again, I, I got really, really serious about some manifestation. And yeah. I was like, no, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to find a way to make this happen. Um, I'm not saying no to this. It's going to happen. And so I made it happen. I literally called, there was like 110 FOs, first officers. That's my position as a right seater. Okay. 110 first officers. At this point, I'm LA based, 737 for Delta. I go down the entire list. I call every single, cold call every single one of them. And I ask them, hey, listen, I have this opportunity, you know, that I'm, I need to drop some trips. Would you be willing to uh, help me out and pick up these trips if you had time in your schedule? You know, yeah. obviously they're going to benefit because they're going to make some extra cash too. Out of 110, I think two or, th- or 
I think three people said, yeah, they'd help out. Like they were chilling. Only out. three? Three people. Three of the hundred. And not everyone picked up. You know, I, I was sure. in voicemails with a couple of them, but only, you know, three of them said yes. And so I was like, all right, that, I can work with that. Three people can, you know, I can, I can make that happen. You obviously didn't, I mean, I hate to say this, but you obviously didn't tell him you're going to be the bachelor because no, if you told him you're going to be the say. bachelor, it would have been 110. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they I, all want pictures and stuff. I, I didn't say anything about that, but yeah, so I had those three and what was nice is like we started filming beginning of September or mid-September okay. and we filmed through mid-November. So what's nice is I was able to front load my schedule with Delta. I was actually able to still work in September. I put all my trips in the first half and then for November and it was super easy because I was junior and you know people want Thanksgiving off and that's the second half off. So I was able to backload my schedule on November. So I only really had October to worry about to get those trips covered. And I only had like three trips given to me. So obviously it worked out. These, you know, these really cool, you know, great, great people, pilots were able to pick up my trips. And uh, that's, that's how it happened. And I look back now and people like, they don't, they don't understand how I got the time off. And I'm almost like, I, I don't get how that actually worked out. <laughs> like, I'm happy it did. I never in a million years would actually thought it would have worked so out. So you never, ever even left your job, put a leave of absence. You just the whole time figured out other pilots to take the shift when you were given it. Yep. That is, that's, that's what, so did that. I don't know anything about airline industry a little bit more after this episode, but at some point, do they just stop giving you shifts? No, you, uh, you know, we have, we're given, unless you have vacation, you are given awarded your trip, your schedule, three to four trips uh, per month. If you have a line and, you know, obviously if you don't show up to work and you don't fly these, obviously, you know, there's gonna be repercussions. You'll probably get fired. But as long as that trip's covered, they don't care. It's it's no skin off the airline's back. As long wow. as a pilot's picking that trip up, can they're, legally pick it up. They're good. Not going to put them over hours. They don't care. It doesn't yeah, matter to them. As long as they check their box. Exactly. Did you, in that time from bachelorette to bachelorette, dude, that's that's more stressful than the show. Yeah. Did you ever like have a, a moment where your flight wasn't getting picked up? Like there was like a last minute, like I'm going to freak the fuck out right now. I need to like call my dad and say, dad, start working for Delta and take this flight. <laughs> I, I did not ever know. I I probably would have had a panic attack if that ever got that close. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was already, I've never been that stressed in my entire life just already. from the freaking show, yeah, from, from production show. and like being put through that. And no one knew that I had this whole other stress area that I had yeah. to be taken care of. <laughs> That's but crazy. Luckily, no, I never faced that. I always had them like about two weeks out. I think that was the closest, maybe a week and a half. And it was picked up and I could breathe again. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. Interesting. Good for you to get through manifestation. It works for Palatine. Hey, Maybe it, it works. works for you guys back home. Just a couple more questions. Uh, and I'm doing do it more a little rapid fire just because we're running low on time. Yeah. But you've been in podcasting. You've done really well with social media. You've grown your following. You've obviously monetized. And you've been a pilot. So I have two questions. Question mm -hmm. one is which of the two do you think you can make more money with? So, and I, we've, you know, you've been obviously so helpful from the beginning, you know, just being a great resource and friend, helping me kind of navigate this space, something yeah. I didn't know about. And I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I, I still think I'll say pilot and I'll yeah. say be just because the, the long, obviously, you know, this whole influencing world yeah. is insane. The quick money that can be made and the, the amounts that can be made, it's, it's, it's insane. And, you know, I wasn't used to it. I don't think anyone really is used to it that comes from just a normal kind of life. Sure. And so, yeah, those numbers, you're not necessarily seeing 
in the airline, you know, being a pilot right. so quickly. But I think longevity and having, you know, you know God willing, I'm going to fly until I'm 65 sure. you know, when they make me leave. And so I have 35 years of a career of consistent salary, of consistent 401k contributions and, you know, everything. We don't ha- have a pension anymore, but they do take care of us with, you know, some other retirement stuff. And so I, I would say for sure, you yeah. know, flying. 65, I don't think Instagram's going to be around anymore. And if I, it is, I don't think anybody's going to want to see you or myself. Know, well, maybe right? you, maybe you'll age no, well, I don't, right? I don't that. <laughs> They won't want to hear us about banging in the window four times when <laughs> oh, we're God. all washed I, up, I ripping down not. Viagra. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. right. Now I got to ask you, so I think I already know the answer to this. It's pretty much a layup, but at your peak, like when the media thing was, and you still have so much going on. You did the Top Gun stuff. You're getting deals left and right. Your following's great. But like right off like that, you know, everyone gets off the show and they think sure. they're like George Clooney and then they have reality hits them and they're not. Yep. But like when you're at that moment, was there ever a consideration like, whoa, this like media entertainment thing might be my thing, not pilot, not being a pilot. Or did you, was there always certain that you're going to be the pilot? hundred percent, hundred percent, uh, staying, staying, you know, flying. It was never, ever going to leave it. I don't do flying for the money. It's, yeah. you know, yes, we have, you can make an incredible living and have a great life and, and give your family a great life, but it's never been for that. It's just, it's, it's in my blood. It's what I was born to do, made to do. I love it so freaking much. And, you know, for me, I kind of just looked at it as, you know, and now I have a really cool, opera. who knows how long it lasts. Obviously I'd love for it to last my entire career till I'm 65. Sure. Probably not going to happen, but I'm just going to kind of run with it and uh, enjoy it. Yeah. Have a good time. Try to, you know, set myself up, uh, my future up successfully and, and my, in my future family. And that's the way I kind of look at it. And yeah, that's how I've been approaching it. The ultimate double dip right there. Yeah. One thing I got to ask you before we go. So we got to get your trading secret, by the way. And so if trading secret, just, you know, it's like one bit of advice as far as career navigation or financial navigation that someone couldn't learn in a textbook or learn in a classroom, they could only learn from you, couldn't see on Google. So you'll have to end with that. But before we go there. Specifically with flying? It could be anything like career advice, flying advice. It could be, uh, it could be getting into the industry. It could be managing your money, things Mm -hmm. you've lost, anything. It's like the trading secret from Pilot Pete that someone couldn't get anywhere else as it relates to those things. Life lessons, career lessons, money lessons. It could be one of the two or one of the three or all of them. Before we get into that, so I'll let your brain spin a little bit. Bachelor in Paradise, everyone's saying, you're single. Will we see you in Paradise? Will we see you uh, as another bachelor? Would you even be willing to do it with your career? What is the probability we see you on the Bachelor franchise again at Paradise or like as a lead or in some capacity? So actually, this is kind of recent. I was going to do it. I was going to do Paradise. You were going to um, do Paradise? Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised I, to hear that. I was going to do it. I had been talking uh, with a couple of the producers for uh, a couple months and it uh, was definitely just, I felt like I was in a place where I could go back. I'd just kind of been intrigued because it's the one kind of format I didn't try. I think it's maybe the one more organic format. But yeah, I was going to do it. I actually got the time off for work, believe it or not. I was just, the, my next question <laughs> was like, how would you manage that would work? I, I, I was doing some pre-planning. I had, uh, you bid for vacation, you know, months months ago, you bid for vacation for the rest of the year. Okay. And so I bid for my entire vacation over June when they're going to start filming. So I got the time off. And so I knew that I was going to have it off. It just came down to contract. We couldn't agree on a contract. So I said, no, I think I'm good putting, you know, I look at it as it was an incredible experience for me, you know, with all the highs, all the lows, I, I'll take it all and I'll be very grateful for it. Uh, But I am fully ready now to, to put that uh, behind me. So yeah, I'm only looking forward, you know, very grateful for what the show has done for me, but uh, definitely that's, that's behind me now. So maybe we'll see Pilot P another day. Maybe we won't. Uh, but it's been awesome seeing you uh, and watching your whole story unfold. And even I think what's even cooler about 
your whole story is what you're doing now, honestly. It's so sweet. And the fact you got to fly your last flight with your dad. That was incredible. And you can make a splash in this industry because of the book you wrote and maybe kids or people that are having anxiety have more comfort because now they're listening to you because of the show, but now they're not understanding how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. That's all like really, really cool stuff. Yeah. Last thing I'll ask you before we go into the trading secret, if someone hears this and they're inspired by it and they're like, wait, I could be a pilot or do something, like what would just step one be? Like where does someone start? If they want to think about this industry, if you're, and I listen, I am biggest cheerleader for anybody right now that has maybe the, the, just even the smallest interest in flying. It's truly a job. I feel like it's unlike anything else out there. And if you have any interest, go out to your local airport, go to uh, just a local airport, ask for, you know, where the flight school is. Usually there's going to be at least one there on the property and ask for an introductory flight. You know, it's maybe 75, hundred bucks, uh, maybe up to 150 now. And uh, you'll go up with a CFI, an instructor. They'll take you up for like an hour and uh, you know, you'll be in the right seat or actually you'll probably be in the left seat and you know, they'll let you just get a feel for the airplane and see if it's something that you actually would want to, you could see yourself doing. And if you kind of feel like you got the bug there, then uh, continue and sign up, get a pro. You can, you don't have to go the whole way and go become an airline pilot and, and kind of get what we call like the doctor of aviation, an ATP, which is like the final certification to be okay. able to, you can go get a private pilot's license for 10, 11, 12 K wow. and give yourself, in my opinion, a beautiful gift of freedom. That is, it's, it's, it's priceless, you know, yeah. and you can go get an airplane and whenever you want and just go fly and enjoy it. Uh, you don't have to do it for obviously your, for a profession. So yeah, if there's any interest, uh, check it out, you know, Super give it a chance. Cool. For a low price, you can try and give it a shot. And like you said, no one could take it from you. Yeah. Uh, Pilot Pete, this has been awesome to learn more about the industry, your whole career navigation story, what you've done. It's been unreal. You got to leave us with one trading secret, something that someone couldn't find on Google in a textbook or in a classroom, just about career navigation, finance, or life management. Pilot Pete, what do you got for us, brother? Oh, man. Uh, let's see here. Trading secret. I don't know if this is, we'll see if this is, if this works. But <laughs> with, with, with relationships, I actually think that, and, and this may be, people may like be kind of shocked for, for me to say this, but I feel like uh, aviation is like one of the, or being an airline pilot is probably one of the healthiest things you can do for a healthy relationship. See, I'm surprised you said that. I wouldn't think that. Yeah. And Why? I, I've learned just what, what's kind of cool is in in my field is obviously you have a lot of time to talk on a long flight. You you have great conversations with, you know, with the crew. And I've learned so much from so many captains that I've flown with and gotten so much advice from love advice to finance advice to just whatever kind of advice. But uh, being a pilot is, you know, you being able to go, I've noticed this in relationships I, I've had, being able to get up and go for three or four days. I believe if you're always with someone kind of 24 seven, you can kind of start to butt heads a little bit. It's, it's not unnatural for, you know, a couple, 30, 40 years into marriage where you're like, all right, we've been, you know, you kind of get on each other's nerves a little bit. I've seen it too with my parents, you know, where you go for a three or four day break, it keeps that kind of spice sure. just alive a yeah. little bit. And you're always super excited to come back and, and see her and or see him. And I've noticed it, it can be very healthy for relationships. If you have, I've always said two things. If you have insane trust and you have a certain level of independence, okay, this is the healthiest job in the world, I would say for a relationship. And you could, if you were married, could you potentially have brought your significant other to Tel Aviv? Like, can yeah. you, like, and you, then you could travel together and do stuff yeah, like that. That's one thing I'm really looking forward to is <laughs> that's pretty cool. And are you a captain or no? No, I am for a first officer. Right All now. right. First yeah. officer, Peter Weber, that's your training secret. If anyone is wants to find more about you or buy your book or listen to your podcast or anything else, where can they find everything, First Officer Peter Weber? 
Yes, sir. So yeah, my roommate Dustin and I, we have our podcast, Bachelors in the City. Just a fun kind of take on our everyday life and uh, a lot of stuff, obviously, Bachelor related. But uh, obviously, yeah, Pilot Pete Instagram. I uh, have uh, my children's book, really, really proud of The Adventures of Pilot Pete. And uh, it's my story of, you know, my first love aviation and kind of my story of how I became a pilot and how, you know, everything transpired. And it's it's meant to hopefully inspire, you know, children, whoever reads it, you know, whether it's flying or not, just to, to chase those dreams and never give up until you find them. So uh, you can you get that off my Instagram. I have a link on it and adventuresofpilotpeats.com. And yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. That's it. So where, so that book you can get on the link on your website. Yeah, I have the link on my Instagram. Okay, and that's um, where you can order it. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. We're going to order five copies of that. We're going to give it to you guys. Give us five stars in the comments. Let us know what you thought of this podcast and any other guests. Put your Instagram handle. We got five copies to give away. Appreciate Pete, it, man. Thank you so much for being here. It was really cool to hear a different side of, of your story. Thanks a lot. Yeah, All it's right. been great. Ding, ding, ding. We are ringing in the closing bell to the one, the only, the Pilot Pete episode. What a beauty. But we got the Curious Canadian here to give us his take on the airline industry, Pilot Pete, the whole episode. I know your brain was moving 100 miles an hour listening to this back, David. So you know what? Take it from here. What'd you think? Well, I got to say, I love nothing more than when we have Bachelor personalities on that don't really talk about The Bachelor. And they actually talk about their passions and their careers. Similar similar to when Blake was on talking about his DJing career and the industry behind that. Similar to Pete with with aviation and, and pilots. Uh, I learned so much that I didn't know. And I, and I kind of think myself as an aviation like buff. Maybe not, but maybe a little above <laughs> average. But I got to get your reaction on some things that stood out to me. I think first and foremost... The fact that flight attendants and pilots don't get paid until the gate is closed and what he basically said, the e-brake is off, is absolutely banana nuts. And I got to get your take on that. It's it's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. And I put something out on Instagram about this. I was like, is this actually true? And I had a ton of flight attendants respond to me saying it's 100% true. But apparently there are some companies uh, and airlines like Delta, I know, that are making adjustments. But yeah, imagine like you get ready for work. You're at work. You check into work. You're there. And then just like, you know, a machine breaks down or there's a delay with something or something. And you're just sitting there. They're sitting there at work, not getting paid until you get on that plane and the door closes, especially now. No wonder why there's a staffing shortage. Like, are you kidding well, me? Yeah. And and with all the delays that are happening, everyone has a theory like, oh, like the staffs, they're milking this. They're trying to get delays so they can get paid more. They're probably making overtime. Like, no, they got to be so furious sitting in those waiting rooms, sitting in those lounges while flights get delayed and canceled and pushed back. And like, everyone thinks it's their fault. Well, really, they're not getting paid. They're pissed. It's ridiculous. And I so I read something too that these airline cancellations and delays may not be back on track until Labor Day. So one of the things they're saying is that it's it's typically the crews. They just don't have enough crew. And then there's like that whole general rule. I know uh, Pete talked about it, but there's obviously uh, schedule mandates of how long they can work. So even if they wanted to extend the hours of the crew, they still can't do it, which is, I mean, understandably so that's how the union works, but it's creating this like backlog that's a mess. And then, David, did you see the American Airlines issue that recently happened? I didn't. I would love okay. to know though. So it, it was on. Uh, I saw it on Wall Street. So American Airlines had this scheduling glitch, and it allowed pilots to drop 
thousands of flights in July. And we heard here from Pilot Pete, like this, this is what I love to go back to your original uh, point is when you take The Bachelor and you marriage like experiences on The Bachelor, but not with the show, with like the professional stuff. When he talked about the fact, like how he was able to be The Bachelor and on The Bachelorette without having any work issues. But it also correlates exactly to this article where American Airlines gave them the ability to drop these assignments. And you know, if Pilot P was an American airline pilot on The Bachelor in July, he would have dropped every single one. And I guess they are discussing the fact that a lot of the air uh, pilots are dropping those and Americans going to have a ton of cancellations. Well, what I can't stand is when people are in the airport and like, why would they even have this flight if they can't staff it? If it's like, People, when did you book this flight? Six months ago. So they didn't foresee this happening six months when you booked this flight. So enough with the bitching about like, why would they even have these flights if they can't staff them? Well, they didn't obviously foresee these issues. So let's pump the brakes there. I just played in a charity golf tournament with a guy who's been flying Boeing, or sorry, not Boeing, United, like Pete, for 37 years. And so he's probably creeping up on that like 65-year-old where you can't, uh, where you have to retire. But I asked him, like, what's going on with his delays? And he said, a lot of it is coming from the staffing shortage from air traffic control, from the airports themselves, not the airlines. If there's only a certain amount of people that can bring the planes in and and, and park them and, and have them come out. He says that, like, they'll get a notification at 6 a.m. being like, hey, we're, we're short today from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. We're cutting uh, flights that are outgoing to 40%. And then they'll just, like, allocate them amongst the airlines. So it's, like, a, it's like an all... Do you know that air traffic control, if you look at like top stressful jobs in the world, air traffic control almost always makes that list? It's crazy. The The airline industry in general is crazy. Have you seen the Netflix documentary uh, on Boeing called Downfall? I have not, but I love a good... Do- I Like Caitlin and I, you give us a documentary <sighs> recommendation and you seal, stamp, deliver that endorsement. Like you're telling me it's worth our time. I guarantee we will watch it. It's going to be worth your time. It's only, it's like a one and a half hour, not like multi episodes. Long story short, it, it might contribute to a little tiny bit of flight anxiety, which we're going to get into a little bit because okay. they had basically it's the, how Boeing got super greedy. They were the kings of, of airplane designs and airplane manufacturing. Uh, they had the best quality control, the best staff culture, best quality of airplane. They got sold to a, a, a very greedy individual who only cared about the stock price, stopped doing quality control, stopped caring about training their pilots. They had two flights that went down, crashed in Asia and Africa in uh, less than a 12-month span, and it was all due to lack of training and lack of lack of quality control and building their airplanes, all for the bottom line. So I think for you, huge on the bottom line. Um, and now every time we fly, Ashley makes sure that we're not flying a Boeing 737 MAX because that's and, both of them. And I remember the Boeing 737 and all the issues it had. And what's the name of that Netflix series? Downfall. Downfall. Okay, we'll check yeah. out Downfall. That's for sure. Uh, we're going to keep this conversation going. The other thing I got to do is I have to give you guys uh, some trading secrets about insurance you could have if you have a delayed flight or canceled flight. So I did this tutorial. It's on trading secrets. Go give trading secrets a follow. Give 
uh, myself a follow, Jason underscore Tardic. Go give David Arduin a follow on Instagram. We are here, but two quick facts. I'm going to do it super quick. I didn't realize my credit card actually has an insurance that if I have a trip that is delayed more than six hours due to any type of maintenance or weather, they will give me up to $500 for like food and toiletries and essentially like anything. And then if my trip is canceled and there's a laundry list of things that would... um that would fall under that, they will cover it up to $10,000 of any non-refundable travel costs associated with it. So my point in that is I didn't know they're there. If your credit card company has those things in place, it's likely they're not going to knock on your door and tell you to go report that. But go check if your credit card has any type of travel insurances, especially in this time. On top of uh, credit card travel insurances, credit card lounge abilities is total life-changing. Life-changing. I'd say it's probably the best perk that I get from my credit card, the Chase Sapphire, is the uh, membership to Priority Pass. And just being in an airport, as shitty as they are sometimes, and be able to go somewhere, plug in your phone, have a nice reclining seat, have a beer, have a cocktail, have some food, it is life-changing. If you also are looking for another travel tip, for me, if you travel a lot, like I travel a lot, the clear... TSA pre-approved combo is unbelievable. Like you will get through that airport security faster than you can imagine. So if you travel a lot, it's worth it. And to your point, if you could find a credit card uh, that gets you into those lounges, it completely changes the delayed process and just the overall experience. There's nothing quite like the mental game of like going to an airport to seeing like just how efficient you can be and like is there a better feeling than showing up to your gate like one minute before boarding? Even and though it's, it's also on time. It's the, the also the best part about an airport, dude. It, it's unbelievable, especially if you go to like a Vegas airport. I mean, they someone should do a show just on Vegas airports. It's outrageous the things you see. But what I love is that no matter what time it is, it could be two in the morning, five at night, eight in the morning, ten in the morning. You could be ordering your bagel and eggs. Everyone's drinking. Everyone in an airport. It's like drinking rules go out the window. It's also eating too. Like I, you know, me big intermittent faster. Like I'll cruise through an airport at 6 a.m. and be like, how is Dunkin' Donuts? Like the line is out the airport. It's so big. Like people <laughs> eat and drink in an airport and nonsense is so fascinating. So it's you contagious do too, though. Like I used to, like, yes. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to drink today. I'll eat healthy. I see people drinking and eating. I'm like, okay, fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> you get like 10x hungry, like by every minute you're in an airport. <laughs> but you, you said you travel a lot. I'm curious, like, what's your flight routine? Like, do you have a go to, like, you know, once you're on the plane, like, what do you do on a flight? Okay. So huge debate. Let's just start with this right here, right now. And I want you guys to tell us go into the reviews, give us five stars and let us know. Are you aisle or window? I'm dying to know. Put your Instagram handle in there too. I am a I'm huge aisle guy. You aisle oh, guy? I'm a diehard window guy. You're a window? Why would oh. you ever be a window person? Explain it to me in two in 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Uh, two things. One, I'm a huge sleeper on planes. So I love like leaning on the side because I, I use the window to lean on. And two, I have a massive bladder. I have never urinated on an airplane. And so like the the idea of like getting up and going to the bathroom is not something that I do. So if I have to be in an aisle and someone wakes me up from my slumber, I, it's like a full snap. Yeah, but sometimes based on the plane, there could be a space in between the window seat and the actual uh, window and or it could be too tight and you're actually sacrificing potential elbow room. I'm big on like, 
I want to throw my leg out in the aisle when I need to stretch. I want to get up when I want to get up. I often might have a drink or two on the plane. So when I pee, I don't want to bother someone else. I might forget that my charger's up in my bag or that my iPad's there or that I need my hat or something else and I want to get in my bag. I just want the convenience to do what I want. So that's for, I mean, for me, got to have an aisle seat. The other thing too is all my credit cards are aligned with Delta. As a result of that, I've been able to build diamond status. And so you get all these things that make life so much easier. Like when you board, uh, you pay nothing for up to three bags. There's no weight increments, uh, you know, just stuff like that, which is, which is just makes things easier. And then I would say the big thing for me is I always, always, always bring a charger and I always use my iPad because you never know these days, like, will the, will the plane have a screen? Will it not have a screen? Like, what's there going to be? What's not? So I just bank on my iPad. That's the go-to. Do you have any like weird, like I have a couple things I do every single time I take a plane and they're like weird, like to pass the time. I have a couple to pass the time that I do. I want you to go first though. Well, oh no, not pass the time. I have a weird, uh, um, oh my God, David, what is it called? I can't believe it. I can't remember this. When you do something, a superstitious, I have one superstitious yes. thing. Okay. I do. What is it? When I get on a flight every time, no matter what, I take my right hand and I plaster it to the plane and just hold it for like three seconds. I don't care if someone's behind me. I don't care if they're not. I'm going <laughs> to hold it. Just take a deep breath. And then I go in. I do it every flight. That's wild. I've never <laughs> heard of that one. I've never seen you do that either. That's wild. Okay. How about Bro- you? My wife makes fun of me because like we just flew to Italy and I, re- I don't watch, I like refuse to watch movies on the plane. I don't why? know why. It's That's like the most asinine of, thing I've ever heard. It's like too big of a time commitment for me. Like I just time feel commitment. Like, you're on a plane. <laughs> I know, but like my brain needs to be like, I need to do like one thing to the other, to the other. So like, and I don't put headphones in and like listen to music. I just, I'm a weird. What, what I do though is, and this is a, this is a trading secret for all the people out there. Two things I do on an airplane. Every time I go on an airplane, I delete all my photo, unnecessary photos from my photo album. To, so to all do the screen, what? Create storage? Create storage. And just like easier <laughs> to find photos. All the screenshots, all these things, all the gambling bets we send to each other, deleted. So that cleans up. I'll, okay. I'll delete like 1,500 photos of flight and I go through my notes section and delete all the unnecessary notes that I don't use anymore. Isn't that a little monotonous, like boring? Like that's how you want to spend your time? I just, it's just my thing. It's my routine. It's like I do that and it makes me feel like organized because there's no service up there. Here's why I feel like I'm confirming it's weird. Our producer just messaged. He goes, Evans just goes, that's an odd ball. All right. The one thing too is I think that once those doors shut and I can't, you know, I'll get the Wi-Fi, but if I don't and it's like choppy, it's the ultimate time to just relax. Like I'm off the grid. No one's calling. No one's texting. Feed up. Have a drink. Watch a show. Take a little schnoozer. Like you can like meditate up there. I love flying. People like get nervous and anxious. I love it. It's the best. My my travel anxiety has got a little worse as I've gotten older. I don't know why that is, but I, I do enjoy a good fly. Now before we before we go, you've uh, I saw you got Evan's some plates going in the background there. You've flown <laughs> private. I've flown private. Give me your like summary of just that whole entire experience in a nutshell for the viewers who maybe haven't got that opportunity yet. Okay. Anytime I have flown private, it is because I have been with someone who has a plane and or a company has paid for it. So I've never in my life spent a dollar on flying private. It is the most uneconomical thing you could possibly do. Like in almost no circumstances are the economics of flying private better than flying commercial. 
That's what people should know. But if you can afford the luxury because you have made it in such a successful way, it is the best luxury that I've ever experienced. So you don't like through the security process, there is none. You literally walk in, you they'll they'll take your car. Oftentimes they will park your car for you or they'll drive your car to the plane and then drop you off. You get up there, there's no rules. There's no put your seatbelt on, we're taking off. There's no you can't get up. There's no you can't drinking. Anything, anything goes. And I'm talking about trading secrets, dude. When we're in those airport lounges, anytime that it is private and I'm like peeking around, I'm like, who are these people? What is their story? Where did they make money? Like, I'm just like so curious what the deal is. I definitely would say for me in my experiences and doing it uh, and my previous employer, I worked for a multi-billionaire uh, and we flew private all over the place. I would say it's the biggest difference from like the the common folk, like the white collar to the elite. Like the biggest difference is the way that they travel and flying private is that number one thing. There is nothing like the convenience of flying private. When Jay says you show up and you do nothing, picture showing up to a hotel driving in the little roundabout, being able to walk in the hotel, not check in at the front desk and just go to your room. It's like that, but an airplane. You control when you leave. You you decide like, eh, this is when we'll leave. We'll show up and we're gone and we're down. It's it's incredible. I've I've been on the private jets with like the beds in it and like sleeping on a, like a full-blown bed at like 40,000 feet. It's just, there's, there's some aha moments. Flying private, everyone, if you get the chance, do it. Don't ever spend your own money on it because Jay is right. The prices it's, it's, that you and Pete listed... The the ninety k from L A to New York and the and the fifty k to New York to Miami those are factual I can back those up those are those are real prices it's crazy so it's literally relationships that have allowed David and I to have that luxury neither of us have spent money on it. David used to work for a multi billionaire and so he had that luxury as well so it's a wild experience it's it's unlike no other it reminds me of when you're like when you made enough money and you're like yeah I could I'm the chicken and steak I can now have the chicken and steak. I can now not order the chicken I could order the steak it's like those people at that level, it's like, yeah, first class. No, no, I'm just going to get my own plane. Like it's so next level. It's so, you're so right. There is no like, eh, it's like you either can or you can't. If you're like stressing about it, you can't. Like it's you insane. just can. It's, it's insane. insane. Okay. Great David, industry what, though. Great episode. Yeah, great episode. What else? You got anything else you want to close us out with or anything else? No, for the curious Canadian? no. It was a, well, quickly, uh, premiere of uh bachelor. Uh, Bachelorette, sorry, first uh, two timer of the of the females since Caitlin's season. Um, this one's for the whole season instead of the first night. Are you going to be tuning in to season? Who knows what it is of the Bachelorette with Gabby and uh, Rachel. I will be tuning in, and I did. Uh, you know, Caitlin's not huge on talking about the numbers or the whole career aspect, but Caitlin did talk a little bit about her career uh, detour not being the co-host anymore on a couple podcasts. And so I went to Caitlin, I knocked on her door and I said, Hey, I respect that you didn't want to come on the show because you don't want to talk about your career or the numbers. And I didn't ask, but you're going on other shows and talking about it. We need you on. And so she mm -hmm. did agree to come on. So if you have no any way. questions about that, David, we will have to save those for when she does come on. But okay, I, I will be watching it. We'll be tuning in. Wish it was her co-hosting. Think it should have been her co-hosting or hosting. But you know what? That's the way the cookie crumbles. And it will be fascinating because I think 
it's a total detour, but we're pile of Pete's on and the Bachelorette's on today. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they're doing because I think what they're doing, and I don't know, but the business side, I feel like they've lost the older audience. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't, I think there's no turning back. I think that audience has decreased significantly. And I think they're going to have to make a move at like Gen Z, uh, at the TikTok generation. And yeah. if they don't capture that, they have to capture it. And so I think it's going to be a lot different this season, but we'll see. How about you? What do you think? Well, I heard that they're filming a huge portion of it on a cruise ship. So I just think like that whole theme of like, even though COVID's, you know, quote unquote over with the centralized location, they just must've found it so much easier for filming and, and all those things. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I'll be tuned in because I'm a de- degenerate bachelor follower. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that, you know, the whole Joe Millionaire thing got got a lot of of good traction with the two leads. And I think that the Joe Millionaire guys handled it so well. There's no drama. It was so refreshing. Like, it was really, really good. And if, they, if the Bachelor, Bachelorette, they have two pretty good leads. I think if they can keep it a little more drama-free and more fun and like, but we'll see. I just don't, I just don't know if that'll ever happen. But I'll tune I'll, in. I'll watch. I'll tell you this much. I'll say this. I am not enticed. I'm going to watch it. I am not enticed in any which way, form, or shape to watch the show based on the marketing I've seen so far with positioning the two bachelorettes. There's nothing I've seen so far as they're teasing it that I'm like, I got to watch it. Nothing. I I'm could, going to, I couldn't, but absolutely nothing. I, I couldn't agree mistake. more. It's such an example of like, they have this new idea that's you could market it and make it different and maybe catch people's attention. And they're just sitting on their bachelorette laurels, like knowing like, Oh, we'll just own Monday night and ho hum. It'll be great. Exactly. Well, David, we just went into a 20 minute recap (laughs) off a 50 minute episode. So we're going to wrap up, but guys, give us some feedback in the reviews. Five stars. Go follow David Arduin on Instagram. Go follow myself, Jason Tardick. Follow Trading Secrets. Make sure you join our Facebook group. We also have an all-access trading secrets group. You can reach out to us, DM us. We can get you hooked up on that. And thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. Don't forget when you give us five stars. I'm curious. Aisle or window? A debate that David and I will continue to dis- disagree on. We hope that you this was entertaining, enjoyable, and most importantly, another episode of Trading Secrets that you couldn't afford to miss.